Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Have you ever heard the old saying, you are what you eat? Have you ever heard that? Well, physically speaking, there's some truth to that. What we give our body to eat is actually turning into blood and muscles and tissue and all that. So to an extent, physically, you are basically what you eat. But that's only physically speaking now. Today, I want us to go a step further and I want to give you a little bit of food for thought. I want to say to you today that you are what you think. Now, not just physically, but you are what you think. That's what makes up your being mentally and emotionally and spiritually and every other way. The thoughts that you hold in your mind will eventually become what you are in every area of your life. I want you to think for just a moment. Are there some areas in your life where things just consistently seem not to go right? You know, are you just constantly being pulled down and defeated in certain areas? You know, maybe it's an area of flesh, maybe a bad habit where you just can't seem to get the victory. Now, it's not fun to go around the mountain over and over. You know, I've been around some of these mountains over and over, and that's not fun. Some people have more areas of failure than others, but all of us, if we're honest, have some areas where we don't see quite as much victory as we'd like to see. And if we continually fall short of victory in certain areas over and over, finally, we're going to react. Now, some people react by just accepting the defeat, just living an under-par life. Some people react by getting bitter, they get angry with God, they think that God's causing it. Others, well, they'll just get into guilt and condemnation. Some people get defensive. But there are some people who react by getting just dogmatic about seeking God until they find the answer. And that's where God's wanting us to to come. He wants us to get so determined that we're going to seek Him until we find some answers. And tonight, I'm going to suggest one area that could very well be causing problems. Now, we've talked a lot about the confessions of the mouth, but I want us to go a step further back, and I want us to see the part that our mind plays in answering these problem areas in our life. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians 4, verse 23. It's a very interesting study to go through the Word of God and find out what the Word of God has to say about our mind. This is going to be our foundational scripture. But as I was looking through the Word, I was just amazed to find out how much a part the mind plays in either our victory or our defeat. But in Ephesians 4, verse 23, it says, You be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, you need to mark that. You be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind. Or in your spiritual mind, some of the translations will say. Uh, Another place says, put on the new mind. See, when we're born again, instantly our spirit man is new. We have a brand new spirit. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But our mind is not new. It has to be renewed. It has to be washed by the water of the word and renewed. Now, God created man in his image, and then he put within man a mind that has tremendous power. I want you to think about Adam. He was able to name all the animals, and then he was able to come back and remember what he named them. So that took tremendous power to do that. How and where did Adam get that kind of power? 
Okay, I want us to look now at the breakdown of creation. When God created the earth, one of the first things he created were the plants. And he created them with a body, basically. Then he started creating the animals, and he created them with a soul and a body. And then last, he created man with a spirit, a soul, and a body. And then he gave this last creation, man, the authority and the dominion over the earth. Now, man was the only creation with a spirit. Therefore, we see that the authority and the power was coming through the spirit man. But it's our soulish realm now, our mind and our will, that has to choose to decide to turn that power on, to let that power flow through. Now, when man fell, like everything else, the power and the authority was perverted. Now, the power didn't die. You know, after Adam sinned, the power wasn't gone, but it was corrupt because of the sin, because of the flesh. And so man started then at that point operating out of his mind power instead of out of his spirit. Now there's cults today that still operate in this mind power, mind control. But when the mind is an end in itself, then it's destructive because it's self on the throne. It's, it's our flesh that's on the throne. Now anytime that a person is looking to self as the source, then there's going to be destruction. And that's why God's saying in Romans 8, verse 6, that the mind that's set on the flesh or the mind that's set on self-ability now is going to bring death. But the mind that's set on the spirit is going to bring life. Now, we don't have to throw away the power that's been made available to us, but we just need to have our mind renewed to operate out of our spirit man by believing the Word of God. Now, when Christ redeemed us, we were restored back to what man had in the garden. But the difference now is that we've been resurrected inside of Christ Jesus. And now we're operating in his power and we're operating in his authority. He's just given his power of attorney to us. But our mind now is going to be the key. And that's why he tells us to put on the new mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And that's the new mind that we need to put on. We've been resurrected inside of Christ, so we need to put on this new mind. Now, if it could ever become a reality that we're operating in Christ's mind, out of the mind of Christ, there would be no end to what we could accomplish. We would never again be tempted to blame God when things don't go right because we would know that we have the power and we have the authority through the power of the Lord. And we have the mind of Christ. That's why Romans 8, 11 tells us it's that same power. So never again would we even consider thinking of ourselves as helpless prisoners to our circumstances because we've been given power and authority. We need to allow that to soak in. But see, the secret is putting on this new mind and thinking like God thinks. See, we haven't been taught to think like God thinks. Now, we can operate in this new authority or we can go on living a powerless life, but it's not because the power's not there. And it's not God's refusal. It's not His failure when something goes wrong. We have authority over the circumstances that affect us personally. Now, we don't have authority over another person's will but we do have authority over our circumstances. Now, let me give you an example of this authority. All of us have thoughts. We all have a thought process. 
You know, you don't go around with your mind just blank. You've got thoughts going on in your mind all the time. But what makes the difference is whether we decide that we're going to think constructively by the power of the mind of Christ or whether we're going to go ahead and think the way we've always thought by our old fleshly nature where the fears and the inhibitions are taking hold of our mind. See, the thoughts that go on in our mind now, these are creative forces. These thoughts are not abstract. They literally have substance in the spiritual realm. Now, every one of us live in the same world, but some people fail and some people are successful. You know, you look around and you see some people that are sick and some that are healthy and some that are happy and some that are miserable all the time. And we're really quick to blame all that on circumstances. But some people living in the exact same circumstances change their world in spite of what they're going through. They change their world by how they think. See, even people who have the same demonic assignments coming against them will have different results. You know, some of them are going to fail and some of them under almost identical circumstances are going to finally pull out of that demonic oppression and succeed. I've noticed that there'll be some people who stay sick and others with almost the same assignment of, of infirmity will begin to learn how to walk in health and they'll start pulling out. And you'll see some people and they just remain miserable and bitter all of their lives while others who maybe have undergone even worse circumstances will come out from under that oppression and they get set free. Have you ever looked around and have you ever seen the difference and you wondered what makes the difference? Because see, we all live in the same world. Okay, is God playing favorites? You know, is he answering prayers at random? No. The difference is within ourselves. It's within our own thinking within our own minds. We literally are the product of our own thought life. We have become the product of our thought life. Now I want you to think about this. You're the product of what you have continually thought on all of your life. Now every person builds his own world with the power that God has placed within him. And the mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, his power now, all of that is ours to operate in, and when we do, we begin to change our circumstances for the better. Now let me give you a little bit of background information. Let's look step by step at how we can renew our mind and change our circumstances. First, we have to realize that God created this world and he set it in motion to be governed by physical and spiritual laws. Now science has taught us how to work with the physical laws, and we've become very successful. You know, we've learned to operate with gravity. We, we've learned to know how this physical world functions. And science has learned to operate in it and make those physical laws work for us. But we need to realize that the spiritual laws are just as sure and just as reliable as the physical laws. In fact, it's really the same law. You know, we never doubt the physical laws, and we know they're going to work. And so often we forget that these spiritual laws are just as sure. Now, these spiritual laws were put in operation by God to bring good for us every single time. Did you know that the laws of God were never intended to bring evil? He never created His laws to bring evil. Did you know that God created us to be healthy? His laws come into our being to cause us to be healthy. You know, even the people in the world, it's a very normal and a very natural thing for the people in the world, even the ones who don't know Jesus, to walk in health. 
God created our bodies with a, a natural immune system. Even the cells in our body, they're made to replace themselves and renew themselves every 7 to, to 11 years. The body is designed to be healthy. It's abnormal for our bodies to be sick. But until our mind is renewed to that, until we start operating in the mind of Christ, we look at sickness and we think that's normal. We say, well, it's just the flu season or that disease just runs in my family. But see, that's not normal. This body was designed to be healthy. It's also a very natural and a very normal thing to be prosperous. That's foreign to our thinking. In nature, abundance is one of the natural laws. You can plant a seed of corn in the ground and what do you get back? You're going to get a stalk of corn and each stalk's going to have several ears of corn and every ear of corn is going to have several hundred seeds. And all of that came from the one seed that you sowed or that you planted. Now, if that's not abundance, I don't know what is. See, God shows us through nature that it's a very natural thing to prosper. If you look at the fields, they renew themselves every year. Now, God has an abundance of health. He has an abundance of prosperity. He has an abundance of happiness. And this all is supposed to flow into us through his natural laws. So God's not the one holding back the supply when we're in lack. It's how we operate in the law of the harvest. And he's wanting us to learn to operate that law, but we're going to have to change our thinking if we want to be able to receive and walk in what God's offered. Now, it's very natural and it's in harmony with God's laws for us to be whole, body, soul, and spirit all the time. That's how he intends us to function. 3 John 2 says, I wish above all things, brethren, that you might prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Our mind is a part of that soulish realm. So he's saying, I wish for you to be prosperous and be in health, but it's going to be as your mind, as your soulish realm prospers. In other words, as your mind is operating and thinking the way God thinks. We can't prosper and be in health beyond our thinking the way God thinks. And that's why our mind has to prosper. It has to be renewed. And it's natural then for us to enjoy the good things, to know that God has good things for us. Now, the spiritual laws were set up to provide every good thing that you're ever going to need or ever going to want to desire. And the Word of God is our handbook to show us how to operate in these laws. Now, any time that you find someone who's consistently failing in different areas and where it's become a lifestyle to them, you're going to find that in some area they are resisting the spiritual laws. Every demonic assignment that ever comes against us is first of all coming to try to lure us into violating God's laws because things are going to flow if we're flowing in God's laws. When we start violating the laws is when things happen. And so the enemy gets us to violate the laws of God because the enemy knows well that when we are walking in harmony with God's laws that health and prosperity and life those are just going to spring forth abundantly. Now, your body doesn't have anything to say about its condition any more than the clay, you know, can tell the potter what it wants to be. But we've got to realize that the master potter has given us the ability now to choose with our mind and with our will what we want to become. Our destiny really is in our hands. Now, your body's going to conform to the ideas and to the thoughts that you hold in your mind. And that's what determines the condition of every area of your life. 
the things that you continually think on. Now, some people believe that out there in the world, there's just a mixture of opportunities. There's going to be health and destruction and, and peace and confusion and all these things are out there. And at random, people just happen chance to fall into who knows which one of those. And then they think that the people that fall into the negative pit, they're just there until perhaps God in his mercy pulls them out. Well, that's not how it works. There's not a mixture of good and bad spiritual laws. Number one, every spiritual law is good. All those spiritual laws were given for our good to bring good. And number two, no one just happen chance falls into his situation. There's always a reason. And in the third place, we don't have to wait and hope that maybe we can be pulled out of our negative pit, that God in his mercy will pull us out. God has already provided everything that we need for life and godliness. It's already been provided. The ball's in our court and it's our move. And all it takes is for us to have our mind renewed to the word and change our thinking until we start thinking like God thinks. Did you know that God wants us to think just exactly like he thinks? And this word is how God thinks. This is how he thinks. You know, thoughts have substance in the spiritual realm. Now, we don't see a thought any more than we see an angel, but there's a lot of things that have substance in the spiritual realm that are not tangible in our physical realm. Now, if we could ever understand that, we would understand that when a person believes in certain negative thoughts, then those negative thoughts are able to bind them up in the spiritual realm and keep them a prisoner just as much as a rope would bind us in, in the physical realm. But by the same token, when we start taking in the, the thoughts of the Word of God, when we start thinking like God thinks, it's going to set us free in the spiritual realm because those thoughts are tangible. They have substance. Now, we're never going to be permanently free until we change our thinking because our thoughts are either going to bind us or they're going to free us. And it has to do with how we think. Now, it doesn't take a lot of discernment for you to look around at people that you know and you see some of them that are prisoners because of their thinking pattern. And then you see others that have been set free because of how they think. Now, Galatians 6.22 lists out the fruit of the Spirit. You're familiar with that. But when we go down the list, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, you know, patience, faithfulness, we get down to self-control and so many times we hold back and we think, oh my goodness, I don't want to operate in self-control. How do I do that without getting into it by the arm of flesh? Well, here's the secret. Hosea 14 verse 8 tells us that our fruit comes from God. See, the fruit of the Spirit comes from God. All nine of the manifestations of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all nine of those, that's God's character. When you read down through that list, you're reading about God's character. Now, the way we achieve this fruit of self-control is by yielding ourselves and yielding our thoughts to that which is greater than we are. Now, that's what true self-control really is. Self-control that's done strictly by the arm of flesh, you know, where we grit our teeth and we say, I'm going to do it if it kills me. You know, if we're doing that by the arm of flesh, that's not the God kind of self-control that it's talking about in Galatians 6, 22. And that's not going to last. But true self-control, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit, it comes when we begin to yield ourselves and to yield our thoughts to the one that's greater than we are to yield our thoughts 
to begin thinking God's way. And that kind of self-control now is going to last. And that's how you're going to overcome bad habits. That's how you're going to start walking in victory in every area. Okay, let's make some application. How do you yield your thoughts to God? Or how do you discipline your thoughts? How do you walk in this fruit of self-control? Well, some people find it really hard to steadily think on any one subject for any length of time. And I find myself jumping from one thought to another. I'll be thinking on something. Pretty soon I'm, you know, off thinking on something else. Well, now that's fine if we're enjoying a smorgasbord of of godly thoughts. If we're thinking about God's peace and then we're thinking about his health and we're thinking about the ministry and what we can do here, that's fine if we're jumping around. And, And these are all godly thoughts that are going on in our mind. But if we're bouncing back and forth between worldly thinking, negative thinking, and then thinking thoughts that line up with the Word of God, and if we're bouncing back and forth between those, we're breaking a spiritual law and we're not walking in harmony. And so there's there's a conflict going on on the inside of us, and it will stop the flow of God's blessings. Now, if you're serious about wanting to yield your thoughts to God, then just try this, this exercise. Choose a scripture, a portion of scripture, and just practice meditating and thinking that portion of scripture for a length of time. Now, I've been amazed if I'll take a portion of Scripture and I'll begin to meditate on it and then maybe do some cross-referencing and maybe look up some of the words in the dictionary. I've been shocked to find that every time I do that, something new is going to come out. I'm going to start seeing something new that I've never seen before. Now, if I do that consistently and I take the same portion of Scripture and I do that often enough, that portion of Scripture becomes mine. Then I notice that I quit vacillating in my thinking in that particular area. When that comes up, then I believe that every time because I've, I've made it mine. See, that truth then has finally become my opinion. It's become my conviction. It's not something that somebody else is talking to me about or something that I just read in the Word of God. But if I've meditated and thought on it and thought on it long enough, then all of a sudden it's locked down on the inside of me and it's my conviction. Now, it's hard for some people to stay concentrated on a thought, but if they want to learn how to operate in God's power, how to literally walk in the mind of Christ, and if they want to see things begin to work in their life, then they will practice this because it'll work. You know, I like to take a portion of Scripture and I like to play it out in my mind. For instance, when Paul and Silas were in prison in the dungeon, you know, so many times we just read past that and, and we say, oh, they had been beaten, they were in the dungeon, and then they were singing praises, and an earthquake came and they were turned loose. But stop and walk through that with them. You know, stop and meditate on the fact that their back had been laid open when they were flogged. You know, we cut our finger and, and we're holding it and we just think it hurts. I mean, they were in discomfort. They were in a dungeon. Let your thoughts think the way they would be thinking. They probably were tempted to think how unfairly they had been treated. They may have even had thoughts bombarding their mind of, God, you know, how could this have happened? I I was serving you. How did this happen? Let yourself be in their situation and think how they thought. Think about the anger and the, the discouragement that was probably trying to come. And then... Move yourself as they had to have done. Move yourself in your thinking over to the goodness of God. They had to have moved at some point from thinking about how badly they were hurting, how 
mistreated they had been, they had to move their thought life over to start thinking about the goodness of God, to start thinking about how the things in this life are nothing compared to the wonderful things we have in store for us in eternity. They had to have started thinking about the joy of a face-to-face encounter with a living God. See, some way they moved their thinking from the natural realm into the spiritual realm. And we have to practice that. And the way we practice is by putting yourself in their situations and realizing what they were going through, but realizing how they must have moved themselves mentally to start concentrating into the ways of the Lord until absolutely that praise just burst forth. And as you experience that, you're going to find that praise just bursting forth out of you, just like it did with Paul and Silas. Meditate on an Old Testament story like the woman who continually said, you know, all is well until she got her dead son back. Picture yourself facing some impossible situations and then practice meditating on the promises, meditating on the goodness of God until it's a very easy and natural thing just to be able to say, you know, all is well. All is well. It doesn't matter what's happening right now. I know that God's word is true. I know that his promises are true. And I know that if I hang on to God, all is going to be well. See, we're not going to change our thinking to think like God thinks until we start practicing, until we start coming to the place where we say, God, I'm determined. I'm going to think the way you think. We're not going to have it changed until we meditate and practice until this becomes our thinking, till this becomes our conviction. See, hearing it once or twice, that's not enough to have that truth rise up and, in, in the face of an emergency. You know, Jack and I took Cullen, our grandson, to the Bass Pro Shop in Dallas, and it was right after it had opened, and there were so many people you just couldn't stir them with a stick. So I told him, I said, now, Cullen, if anything happens that we get separated and we're not right there by you, I said, sit down on the floor right where you are. And I said, you just stay right there because we'll be right back and we'll find you. But if you get up and move around, we won't be able to find you as easily. So you sit down right where you are if you don't see me. Well, I had him repeat that back to me. I said it a couple of times to him, and I had him answer back what he was supposed to do. Well, sure enough, we stopped at the snack bar to get something to eat, and I looked down, and he wasn't there. Well, you know, your heart just panics because you look, and there's a whole bunch of people. And so I ran, and I got up on something where I could look out across the people. And sure enough, I saw him, and he was running as hard as he could run trying to find us, and he was just taking off. And I had to sprint to be able to catch him. And so when I got him, I said, why didn't you sit down like we talked about? And he said, I forgot. And all of a sudden, the Lord began dealing with me, and he showed me that in the heat of the moment, boy, when we've got the adrenaline flowing and and fears engulfing us, we're not going to remember the things that we've just casually heard. You know, we're going to have to make an effort to do whatever it takes to renew our mind to think like God thinks or we're going to be just like a little four-year-old boy and we're going to take off running in some direction. Now, to have the kind of thinking that God has where we think like God thinks, it, it doesn't just happen automatically. You have to put that kind of thinking on the inside of yourself. And you're not going to accomplish every bit of it all at one time, but you've got to start somewhere. You know, you have to practice until you begin yielding your thought life to concentrate on how God thinks.
Now, if we don't make the effort, our thoughts are not going to just stay neutral. You know, out of fear, out of discouragement, you're going to find yourself concentrating on something. And if you haven't trained yourself, you're going to be concentrating on defeat and fear. It takes practice, but it's worth it. And it's only in yielding ourselves to someone and something higher than we are. And that's going to, to take disciplining our mind. And it will start changing things in the physical, in the financial. It'll start changing things in every area of our life. Now, in Philippians 4.19, it says, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. And so many times we're putting the emphasis on I can do all things through Christ. Where God is wanting us to put the emphasis on I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. That comes from yielding our mind and realizing and picturing I have been crucified inside of Christ Jesus. And now it really is no longer I who live, but it's Christ living inside of me now. Get a picture of that. Meditate on that. Think on that. Begin to say, the life I live now in the flesh, I'm living by faith in, in the Son of God. And let your mind dwell on that until that becomes your thinking, until that becomes a reality on the inside of you. See, God wants us to picture ourselves operating in the power of God. It helped me so much when one day the Lord showed me that every time that I lay hands on someone to pray for them, that while I'm praying for them, that I need to allow God to give me a revelation that as I'm praying, something is reversing in that situation. That that infirmity is beginning to leave. That a process has started to restore health in that person that I'm praying for. And it's made all the difference in the world. As each time I yield my mind to the Lord and I say, God, let me think the way you think. When you laid hands on people, you saw them get well. Now, Lord, I want to think the way you think. When I lay my hands on them, I want to see them getting well. Meditate on Christ on the cross and, and meditate and spiritually see your sins going onto his body and the consequences of those sins. You know, concentrate on the beating that Christ took and picture every category of sickness that you can imagine being paid for with every stroke of the whip. Picture those bruises on his body because the Bible says that those bruises were taken for our iniquity curses, the things that have been handed down to us. Picture it and meditate on it until it becomes just unthinkable to you to take any of those things on yourself that he's already taken for you. See, the bad situations that we put up with and that we hang on to are coming from wrong thinking every single time. We have the mind of Christ, and God wants us to operate in that mind in the power of his thoughts. Now, we're living in the part of the country that has tornadoes, and be honest with yourself. When you hear that there's a tornado, or especially if you hear that your city's in a tornado watch or, or we're in a tornado alert, you know, just be honest with yourself. What are the thoughts that come to your mind? Many times the thought that passes through our mind is, oh, I remember what it did to Waco years ago, and I remember what happened to Topeka, and I remember what just happened to Oklahoma City, and oh, God, please, well, we, we need you, you know. Okay, is that, are those the thoughts that are going through our mind, or is it, Lord, I remember that Jesus stood up in the boat, and he took authority over the storm that was coming on the sea, and the wind and the waves obeyed him, and he told me I had the same authority, and in the name of Jesus, I can do the same thing. Lord, I thank you according to Psalm 91 that I'm not going to be afraid of destructions. It's not going to approach me, and it's not going to come near my household. 
Okay, see, when we yield our mind over to his way of thinking, then we're going to find that the bad conditions in our body, the bad conditions in our circumstances and, and in our situations have been coming from wrong thinking. We've had wrong thinking going on in our mind. These circumstances are just outward manifestations of the thoughts that we've come to live with. Think about that. The circumstances that we're living with, they're outward manifestations of either the thought that someone else has had that's been passed down to us, but it's still the thoughts that we've come to live with when we've not yielded ourselves over to godly thinking. Now, some people, you know, they've never been able to overcome a certain sin in their life or a certain bad habit. And they're not going to be able to overcome that assignment of the enemy. It may be an outburst of anger or self-pity or insecurity or jealousy or whatever. They're never going to overcome it until they overcome it first in their thought process, until they've yielded their mind to the Lord and they've begun to think as God thinks. And when we dwell on what Christ did and what he's made available to us, it's going to begin to release that power to change our thinking. And when we do, we're going to begin to see the victory in time. It's eventually going to change things. Now, we are what we think, and what we think on, that's what's molding our character. You know, when you look at a person and, and you say, oh, my goodness, their character is horrible, or, or, or and they just have such a wonderful character. It came from what they thought on. It came from what they think. See, the thoughts that you think on continually make up who and what you are. So it affects your health, it affects your prosperity, it affects your character. What you think on affects your attitude. It affects even the strength in your body. It affects everything about you. Now that power comes up out of the spirit, but it's the yielded mind now. That's what releases that power to change the circumstances. Did you know that where you go and, and what you do is an outward sign of your thought process? It's an outward sign of what's going on in your mind. Now, whether you find yourself in a beer tavern or whether you find yourself in church, you know, that comes directly as a result of how you think, what you're thinking on. See, we are what we think. Now, I went through a period of time when I never could seem to get my house under control. It was just constantly cluttered. And, you know, now we're all going to have times when the house gets cluttered and, and we get behind. But I'm talking about two or three years in there where I never could get on top of it. I, I'd clean and maybe it'd be maybe an order for a day and then it just seemed like it was all out of control again. And it was a constant harassment and I, I'd pray about it. And one day the Lord impressed me to be honest with myself and check out my thinking. And I felt like the Lord said, deep down, what are you thinking in this area? And I thought, you know, what is... What does my house, a cluttered house, have to do with how I think? But I promise you it does. And you can check out your thinking. If you'll be honest with yourself, you'll find out what's causing some of the areas that are not right in your life. Now, I'm not talking about checking out what's wrong in your mate's life. I'm talking about in your own life. But when we get honest, and when I got honest, this was my thinking. I was thinking, you know, I'm so busy writing Bible studies, and I'm busy counseling, and I'm busy with the work of the ministry, and I don't have time to keep my house clean. And I was appeasing myself with thinking, well, I I've chosen something that's more important in life. But the Lord began to impress me to examine that line of thinking. Now, it was true that I was busy, and it was true that I was writing Bible studies, and it was true that I was looking at things from an eternal perspective, but my deductive thinking was wrong. I didn't have to conclude from all of that that I didn't have time, 
to keep my house in order. I didn't have to conclude from that because, see, that thinking had caused me to decide in my mind that a cluttered house wasn't, that wasn't my priority. And I was coming from the area of not trusting God. I was coming from the area of fear. I was coming from an area of reasoning. I reasoned that I was already, quote, overworked, so how could I add anything else to my schedule? I came to that in my thinking. And deep down, I was thinking, you know, I don't want to add anything else to my schedule because I thought it was going to take so much more time. And the outward result of that thinking was that the house was constantly cluttered. I was constantly trying to get on top of it. And that would never have changed if my thinking hadn't changed. And so the Lord began to get me to think on the fact that in spite of a busy schedule, I could hear God on what to do about it. And the Lord had me begin to change my thinking to decide this house is a priority. It's okay. I don't have to let these other things go. It, this can still be a priority, and I can hear God how to do it. And all of a sudden, it became fun. And I can't tell you how it happened. I can't tell you where the extra time came from. But things just changed, and I started having time to pick up the clutter. When I changed my thinking, it became a priority not to have clutter all the time. Now, I'm not concerned when the house gets cluttered ever so often because we're busy or something. But if it becomes a pattern again, then immediately I know that I need an adjustment in my thinking because God makes a way for everything we need. Everything we need. Now, when you check out these different areas in your life and make an effort to change your thinking, you're going to see it change. And when you do, then all of a sudden it's going to become a reality to you that there is power in the thought life and that we truly are what we think and we truly can change our circumstances by our thought life. And suddenly you're going to want to change your thinking. And as we yield our thinking to line up with, with God's thought, not just what we assume God's thinking, but as we sincerely yield and we truly want to know the truth, then we'll begin to see those situations change and some things will change that we never dreamed possible. Every morning, begin to say out loud what God says about you, what God thinks about you, even if you don't believe it when you first start saying it. But begin to get up and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm healthy. I thank you, Father, that I'm, I'm useful in the ministry. I thank you that I'm strong. I thank you, Lord, that I'm a loving person. I thank you, Father, that I'm successful in every single thing that I'm called to do. I thank you that I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. I thank you that I'm full of love. I thank you that I've overcome every area of weakness because I'm resurrected inside of Christ Jesus. See, our own nature wants to concentrate on the problem. If we're in debt, well, we want to concentrate uh, on that debt and see what we can do about it. But your body is going to conform to the ideas and the thoughts that you hold in your mind. Instead of concentrating on the problem, begin to concentrate on how God thinks, how he sees it. Now, your outward condition will finally match up with the thoughts that you've learned to live with. And that's what ultimately now determines the condition of your body. Did you know that your lungs and, and your heart and your blood system and, and your digestive system, they're simply carrying out the dictates of your mind. What you think on continually is showing up in your physical body. So don't blame somebody else. You know, you say, well, what about that poor lady whose husband's mean to her? And finally, because of all the things he did to her, she's developed ulcers. 
How can it be her wrong thinking that caused the ulcers? Well, it's not her fault that her husband was mean to her. And if her husband wants to get rid of the sin, then he's going to have to deal with his own wrong thinking. But the ulcers in her body came as a result of her wrong thinking. See, it could have been thoughts of fear of what's he going to do next, or it could have been thoughts of lack of trust. I'm not sure that God's going to be there to see me through. It may be a low self-esteem, but it's still wrong thinking on our part, and it's going to take right thinking to ever change it. We have to come into the thoughts of Christ. So ultimately now, we're not going to be able to blame somebody else. We're going to have to go back to our own thinking, and we're going to have to start the cleanup right there. Now I'm going to end with this thought. Very simply put, if you have an area that's not right, if you have an area that you just think there's no way to deal with that, then you can be sure that there is an area of wrong thinking. Whatever the area is that, that you're having problems with, there's something wrong in the thinking. There's some wrong thinking. And it can only be corrected by cleaning up that wrong thinking and putting in place of the wrong thinking what God's Word says, what the truth of the Word is. Now next week we're going to look at different happenings in the Word of God to find that this principle is reiterated on practically every page of the Word. I'm going to show you some real-life applications out of the Word of God because God is showing us throughout the Word that when we have a problem, it's coming from our own wrong thinking. We are what we think. Father, thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've made a way, even if we had wrong thinking all of our lives, even if we've, we've done it incorrectly. Father, I thank you that you've made a way where we can start thinking the way you think. Father, I thank you that we're resurrected inside of Christ Jesus and we have the mind of Christ. Now, Father, we may not have been operating in the mind of Christ like we should, but Lord, it's not too late to change. And I thank you, Father, that you're going to show us and help us to be able to look at these areas where we've had defeat. Father, I thank you that you're going to help us to be honest enough with ourselves to be able to say, okay, there's some wrong thinking. What is it? And Lord, I thank you that you're going to show us where we can put in right thinking, and we can begin thinking the way you think, and we can begin seeing the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.